Well, good morning. Great to have you here. Happy Father's Day, guys. If um, you have a father still living, I encourage you to make sure you express your gratitude to him. It's my first year, frankly, that uh, I don't have a dad to call, and it kind of struck me this morning. Those years of like, oh, I got to get that in. And then when you don't have to, you don't have the opportunity, it kind of strikes you differently. So I encourage you to uh, reach out to your dad today and let him uh, know you appreciate it. Really one of the greatest privileges uh, I've experienced in my life is the privilege of being a dad. So one of the dad gifts I got uh, a couple weeks ago is that last Sunday because we had a family staycation. We got as many as the kids as we could to get to come to town and we took the week off and played together and Actually, I had all four of our grandkids in town, and I now have a grandchild who can actually talk. <laughs> what a difference. Seriously, I was like, man, to be able to simply say, use your words, and they could like use words to tell me instead of, wow, 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 wow. And so I was, we have four right now and one talking one, and I definitely recommend the talking grandchildren over the non <laughs> talking grandchildren. Looking forward to more of those. So I wasn't here last week what Bartimaeus was. Did you, did you meet Bartimaeus? Yes. You were, did you think it was Bartimaeus? Uh, you probably did. We actually, I don't know if you noticed, but we switched the order in Mark 10. We skipped a passage, went to Bartimaeus, and we're going to have to come back and pick the passage we skipped last week. And we did that because Bartimaeus wasn't available on Father's Day. So we're going to go back and look at the passage that we skipped where Jesus is going to encounter honor seekers. And the giveaway from the start is this. The honor seekers that Jesus is going to encounter are his 12 disciples. This isn't some random folks, not a new folk, not Bartimaeus. It's the 12 disciples who are seeking honor. And he has some great insight for us as followers of Christ for us this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Verse 35 is where we're going to start and go through verse 45. If not, the scripture will be up here, but if you have a Bible, turn there. Mark 10, starting in verse 35. Here's how the encounter goes down. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, so they're brothers, followers of Christ from the beginning, came up to Jesus and they say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What do you think? What, a fat chance? Yeah, it's like, I tried to put myself, especially Father's Day, I was like, all right, if my kids come up and say, Dad, I want you to do whatever, we, whatever I ask, what are you going to say to that? Ha, 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 right. Good luck. Yeah, not, not a chance. Actually, Jesus is pretty gracious here. He says, well, what do you want me to do? So he's open-minded about it. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Which, if you were here last week, that's exactly what he had said to Bartimaeus. They have on their hearts something different than what Bartimaeus had on his mind. We want you to do whatever you want. Well, what do you want? We want that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. So what do we want? We want honor, seats of honor, specifically in heaven. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you about honor in heaven. He says, you don't know what you're asking. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He goes, you don't know what you're asking. 
which is what kids do. They ask for stuff they don't know. It's what we do before the Lord. Have you ever realized sometimes you ask him and God is in heaven going, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus says to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? So that almost seems like a a little bit of a warning. Would you agree? You don't know what you're asking. Are you able? So what would you say if Jesus said to you, "Uh, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with what I'm baptized with? What would you say to that? Well, they were smart. They said, well, what are you drinking? <laughs> Actually, they don't. I'm, I'm a little shocked that they don't. That seems to be the smart reply to me. If somebody goes, I don't, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink? Well, what are you drinking? Are you able to be baptized? What are you being baptized with? I need to know that. I'm not going to drink what's in the cup. I don't know what's in it. I've done that before. That's a bad idea. Uh, what are you drinking? That's not what they say. They go, we are able just to prove their ignorance. We don't know what it is, but we got it. We can do it. We're able. So Jesus goes, well, the cup that I drink, you're going to drink. And you should be baptized with the baptism with I am baptized. Next word. <laughs> so this is, oh, wow, this is good. Next word was, but. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom has been prepared. So Jesus, in essence, it's like my kids. Dad, can I have this? Well, go ask mom. Jesus basically goes, uh, uh, it's not mine to decide. Now, is he passing the buck? Or is it really genuinely not his to decide? Because that seems a little hard for me to believe that Jesus doesn't get to decide where people sit in heaven. But the reality is, maybe this is news to you, honor in heaven is actually determined by the Father, not by Jesus. He doesn't get to say. So he is not passing the buck. He's like, oh, I don't want to hurt the other guys. I don't know. You know, this feel like favoritism. Go ask your dad. Jesus says, honor in heaven actually doesn't get determined by me. It's determined by the Father, not my call. It's not up to me. It's up to the Father. Now, I said, maybe you are agreeing with me silently. That seems a little strange that Jesus doesn't get to make the call. So let me show you. Here's why Jesus doesn't get to make the call. Ephesians 1 says, These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. So who's the he? Who are we talking about here? The Father. Very specifically, we're talking about the Father on behalf of the Son, which he brought about in Christ. When he, the Father, raised Jesus from the dead and did what? Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. So why doesn't Jesus get to make the call? Why doesn't he determine the seating chart? Because his seat is assigned. He didn't choose his seat. 
He didn't choose his seat, so he didn't get to choose anybody else's seat. His seat was assigned by the Father. And he goes, James, John, you're going to drink what I drink. You're going to be baptized with what I baptize. But Dad's going to decide where you sit. Very interesting. Any NASCAR fans? Any, any NASCAR fans? You know, like three of you. Me either. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Okay, I've seen it. But I, I've been told it's more than that. Yes, I know. Even if you're not a NASCAR fan, you probably know what pole position is. You know what pole position is? Pole position is the premier starting point of the race. It's where every driver wants to start the race. It's the best position. It's the equivalent of where Jesus gets to sit in heaven. He gets pole position. But here's why I call it pole position. Pole position gets determined... Before the race begins, not by how much money you have or how big you are, it gets determined by how fast you raced before in what you would think of qualifying. So pole position determines, is determined by how you did in qualifying. So actually, Jesus, this is, and I'll explain even more. Jesus says, I can't decide because my seat was decided for me, but I have pole position. And pole position is determined in qualifying. So there's, there's a seating chart in heaven. It's just we don't know what it looks like very much. Here's the extent of what we know, seating chart in heaven. The big, big chair goes to the, goes to the Father, and to his right is Jesus. That's pole position. To his right, that's the position of honor and authority and power to the right hand of the Father. Uh, to Jesus' right, we don't, we don't know. Jesus doesn't know. James and John say, hey, we want to sit here and here. What do we know for sure? <laughs> yeah, what we know for sure is, well, you might get the right, but nobody's getting the left. Because nobody sits in dad's chair. I mean, that's true in my, even in my house, for, for, let alone heaven. That's in my house. It's my chair. Oh, you can sit there unless, unless I'm there. And so uh, the kids will be, they like, because my chair is the best chair in the house, of course. So when I come into the room, it's like, no words are needed. It's a risky chair to pick. It's the best chair, but it's for limited time. Jesus is going, it's not, it's not up to me. But he didn't give him this. We just know this as we put the other parts of the chair. It's not up to me, but nobody's getting, nobody's getting this one. So James, John, you're going to drink the cup that I drink. You're going to be baptized with what I'm baptized with. Dad's going to decide where you sit. Not up to me. But, and this is, this is key, I'm going to let you in on how he decides. But, let me ask you a question. Does it matter where you sit in heaven? <laughs> Actually, I think it does. Sorry I set you up on that one. Because you kind of feel like, oh, I just, just like to get in. That sounds so humble. 
But it's so wrong. Actually, I'm going to press you here a little bit. Some of you may want to argue. If, if you want to argue afterwards, come by about 3 o'clock right here. I won't be here, but you can come by at 3 o'clock. I think you should absolutely care where you sit in heaven because this. There's this, there's this moment. They go, hey, do a for us. What do you want? We want to sit. I can't decide that. The other 10, what are they doing? And this is like the original survivor. They're creating alliances. They're over there asking, not for the 12 of us, can we get, we get the head table at least? He's just asking for the two of them. And the other 10 are indignant with James and John. That means they're a little ticked with them. They're not happy. And so Jesus, calling them to himself, Jesus says, so before we read it, go back. If you played sports, you ever have your coach as a team go, all right, everybody together. In other words, the things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. He's not pleased with how you're playing together. He's not pleased with the effort or something. He's good. Everybody, for us, that generally meant one of two things. Everybody on the end line in soccer, that meant, ah, uh, we're going to run. If he actually wanted to talk to us as a team, he'd say, everybody in the goal. And he'd make us sit in the goal. And then he'd talk to us about how we were playing, what he wanted from us. This is one of those moments for Jesus. He's got the 12 and he's like, everybody in the goal. There's division. These two guys are asking for something I can't give. You're mad at them about it. Let's talk. So it's a good moment. They want honor. Here's what you need to know. He says, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, here's how they do it. They lord it over them. And they're great men. Here's how they do it. They exercise authority over them. That's how it goes down. It's how you've seen it. It's the way it's always going to be. But you know what the next eight words are? But it is not this way among you. Our family is going on vacation with other families when our kids were young. And almost always, we had to have a moment, a goal moment. Goal moment. Dad, everybody in. Everybody out in the porch. And it was one of those moments where we go, I know you see him doing this. I know you see him doing that. That's not the way we do it. That's not how we go as a family. That's not what we do. This is a great leader moment for Jesus. He's saying, here's the way all of us think this goes. Great people exercise authority. People who are put in charge, they lord it over. It is not the way it happens. That's not the way we roll. And, and, and now he's going to go, but listen, you want honor in heaven? I don't have the seating chart, but I can tell you how dad's going to choose. Here it is. Whoever wishes to be great, you want to be at the head table? <laughs> you shall be servant. And whoever wishes to be first, the right hand, my right hand, shall be slave of all. See, you feel, you get this sense of this talk in the goal. This is the way you see it. You've seen it. You've grown up with it. That's not the way we do it. That's not the way it happens on this team. That's not the way we exercise authority. That's not how honor goes down in this group. The way honor goes down in this group is great people serve, and the greatest person is slave to 
everyone. So, don't miss this. Does it matter where you sit in heaven? Absolutely it matters where you sit in heaven. Because where we sit in heaven will be a reflection of how we ran qualifier. Did you follow? Of how we live life. Because it will be a reflection. Were we servants? Were we willing to be a slave? That's how it's going to be determined. Jesus got pole position. Why? As he said, watch. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's how he closes that talk in the goal. He's gone. You see it? That's not the way we roll. Here's the way we do it. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be number one? You want the right hand? Then you're slave of all. And look, guys, even, coach, even I, son of man, I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And, and, and not just serve, to die, to lay my life out for many. That's the way we do it. So he gets pole position because of the way he ran qualifier. He gets a position in heaven because of how he lived on the planet. You and I shouldn't care about where we sit in heaven because it's a reflection of how we've really been like Jesus or not been like Jesus. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Uh, uh, honor in heaven is determined by the Father, not by Jesus. And second, honor in heaven is directly connected to your serving on earth. We know that. Well, let me let you write that down. This is super important. Honor in heaven is directly connected to your serving on earth. And again, if you're going, oh, how do we get there? We got there because Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve, to lay my life as a ransom for many. And the father said, he gets pole position. His seating is because how he lived, how he served how he was willing to die. Our seating matters because it's a reflection of how we've lived. Servant, slave, willing to lay your life down. Now, two important qualifiers before we develop this a little further. Two important qualifiers. Honor in heaven is connected, directly connected to how we serve. But never confuse honor in heaven with entrance into heaven. Dramatically different. So if you tuned out and you're, you lost me for a little bit, please come back right now. There's a dramatic difference between how you get into heaven and how honor is then given in heaven. Ephesians Two, verse 8 and 9 says, for by grace. In other words, what God has given that we did not deserve. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Specifically, not as a result of works. No matter how good they are, no matter how many they are, not as a result of work. Otherwise, you could brag about you're getting into heaven. So, honor in heaven is determined by how we live, how we serve. But don't be confused. Entrance into heaven is solely by grace through faith. 
so key that we, we, we distinguish in our thinking and our understanding and, and our personal application about how we think we're getting in versus how honor is dispensed. See, we think, well, here's, here's the typical journey. Most of us believe what the vast majority of the world believes, and that is simply this. You get what you deserve. You get in eternity what you deserve based on how you lived. Because you, you ask a typical person on the street of Jacksonville, think you're going to go to heaven? Oh, I hope so. Or no way. How'd you come to that conclusion? Just ask people. I mean, you'll be amazed. Just ask people. Well, a lot of people say, I hope so. Well, based on what? Well, I haven't killed anybody. Glad to hear that. That's good. That going to be good enough? I hope so. The thought is, good works determine whether I get it because we get what we deserve. And I'm here to tell you the scripture doesn't teach that. That's not true. You don't need to become a better dad to get into heaven. You don't need to be a better son. You need to stop cussing so you can get into heaven. That's not how you get into heaven. Heaven, relationship with God, is only a gift of grace that you can't earn. You can only receive it because of what Jesus has done for you and I. It's a gift. A gift from the heavenly Father to us by the sending of his Son who paid my penalty. He paid your penalty. And all you can do is say, wow, thank you. Now, when we get that, sometimes then we go, oh, it's not good works that get me into heaven. It's what Jesus has done for me. Oh, so works don't matter. I just want to get in. It doesn't matter where I sit. Oh, no, 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 no. Next verse in Ephesians 2 says, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not to get you in. He restored you to relationship so that then you could live out in this life, in your body, the life of Christ. So that you would be the servant that he was. That you would lay your down, life down as he laid his life down. And to the degree that you and I do that, there will be honor in heaven. It matters where we sit but it's not how we get in. There's a big difference between a wedding and a marriage, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. I've seen some extravagant weddings and horrible marriages. And I've seen some really minimal weddings and some great marriages. A wedding simply how you get started. A marriage. Do works matter? If you're fuzzy on that one, you got trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, it matters how the relationship works. It's not how you get in. Faith because of God's grace. So, second clarifier. Oh, works do matter. Let me be as godly as I can. That seems good. 
Except Jesus says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness, doing right things, before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Whoa, I can do right things. I can serve people. I can lay my, do- my life down for people. I can, can watch two-year-olds at Christian Family Chapel and not get reward in heaven? Uh-huh. Yeah, you can. Or you could watch two-year-olds at Christian Family Chapel and get reward in heaven. What's the difference? It makes a difference on why you're doing it. If you're doing it to be noticed by people, Jesus says, then you'll get your reward from people, but not in heaven. If you missed it, he gives three examples. So when you give to the poor... Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, they got all the honor here, none in heaven, because they did it for here, not for heaven. They did it for people to see, not for God to see. When you pray, you're not to live like, to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Wow, what a prayer. He prays so long. He prays so good. He must pray all the time. That's awesome. That's why you do it. Then people go, for people to go, wow, you're awesome. Then that's the extent. You got it in full. You did it for people. You'll only get reward from people. No reward in heaven. Whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. I am so hungry. Why? I'm fasting for Jesus. No, fasting so that people will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, you, you fast so that people notice, so that people think you're godly, so that people will think you do a lot for Jesus. No reward. You do it for people, you get reward for people. Jesus says, hey, how you serve is directly impacts where you sit in heaven. That's the way honor in heaven goes. But not all righteous practices will be honored in heaven. (laughs) Lots of good stuff, lots of good things, lots of giving, lots of serving will have no reward in heaven because it was done so people would see. So people would applaud. And Jesus says, not going to happen. So, honor in heaven is directly connected to your serving on earth. But, (laughs) it's not how you get it, and not all serving will be. So, what will be? What is going to get rewarded in heaven? How about we go back to the guy who got pole position? See how he did it. Philippians 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, the one who got pole position, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Because Jesus did that, because he said, I will give up my rights as God, because I will take, because he took on the likeness, the weakness of humanity, because he was obedient even to death, what happened? (laughs) For this reason, 
also. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. See, I just want us to see it again. Jesus has pole position in heaven because of how he lived on the planet. It matters where we sit. And where we sit is determined by how we serve, how we live. Now, if we do it for people, it won't matter. That will not impact the seating chart in heaven. It has to be, here's the third point, honor in heaven is reserved for good works done specifically in genuine humility. It is the example of Jesus who in humility, well, let me let you write that down. Honor in heaven is reserved for good works done in genuine humility. It's determined by the Father. It's directed, directly connected to how we serve, but that serving will only be honored if it's done in genuine humility, reflected by Jesus. How is Jesus humble? He emptied himself. How was Jesus humble? He took on the likeness of human flesh. How was Jesus humble? He was obedient to death. How was Jesus humble? Even to death on a cross. So, it's not just do you serve, it's do you serve and do you live in genuine humility. So, Genuine humility is great for church. It's just hard for t- this afternoon and tomorrow morning. Because you can go, okay, I'm going to be, how do I be genuinely humble? And if I am, can I say I was? <laughs> how do you, what's genuine humility look like? I want to give you four very specific expressions of genuine humility. So, Here's what I want, if you're taking notes, here's what I hope you'll write down under point three. When I am genuinely humble, I will refuse because we're naturally prideful. So it's gonna, humility is a refusal. I'm gonna refuse to not only act a way, but but specifically think. For, For many of us, if we take what we're looking at this morning to heart, we will find ourselves saying this afternoon, Tonight, tomorrow, this coming week, we'll find ourselves saying, oh, God, I repent of that thought. Oh, God, please, I repent of it. That's a wrong thought. Because actions always flow out of thoughts. So we have to change how we think so that we change how we think. So we're going to have to refuse to think and act in at least these four ways. If we're going to have genuine humility that will lead to good works that will be honored in heaven. First, to genuinely refuse to think or act as I am more important. I am, I am, I'm more important. No, I repent of that. I'm not more important. Great conversation with one of our young interns who's 
working in our junior high ministry, it was in first hour. To be able to say to her, because I stand on a stage doesn't make me more important. It's just a function of visibility. If I was taller, I wouldn't have to stand on a stage. Seriously, you understand? I only stand up here for visibility purposes. That's all it is. It's not lights. It's not a stage for more important. I'm not more important. You're not more important. I'm not more important. Jesus is more important. But I'm not. I have a part to play. You have a part to play. She has a part to play. But when we think we're more important, what do we do? (laughs) When we think we're more important, we start demanding that other people do what we want them to do. We demand that they serve us. If you're married this morning, then really one of the, the most important things in your marriage is simply to come to the conclusion, I refuse to think that I am the more important spouse in this party. Because that's where conflict, just like with the 12 disciples, James and John were like, hey, we want honor. We want to have the more important seats. Where did it lead to? Division on the team. You want division in your marriage? Just think you're more important. That's where, that's where it always happens. And that, that, that your needs, your desires should be met. That your way should always be right. And then conflict happens, right? And then you end up in those after midnight discussions. Ah, I can't tell you, honestly, the, the number in our opening years, the number of after midnight discussion, discussions that Jackie and I had, they, they should be outlawed. Premarital, basic 101. Hey, you guys are getting married. No after midnight discussions. They go nowhere except to separate rooms. And then you get in your separate rooms and you will plant yourself there and you'll think, I was in the right this time. I am not folding. Now, if you're married, I know you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like, oh, wow, what's wrong with Doug and Jackie? (laughs) Same thing is wrong with you. We think we're more important, and then when division happens, then we go, no, they were in the wrong this time. I'm not apologizing. I'm here. And the Holy Spirit starts going, that's not how I loved you. I went first with you. You were in the wrong, but I came to you. I demonstrated. Holy Spirit ever pound on you like that? It's pounded on me like that. Get off your keister and go. Ah. Not this time. And argue back and forth. Genuine humility is simply, it's, it's not that complicated. I am not more important. But that can be hard. That's hard. It's hard to humble yourself. Say, nope, your, your desires, you're as important as I am. So starts with that. Some of you, some of you might need to just go home and say to your spouse, I apologize. What's going on in our lives right now is because I think I'm more important. That's where the brokenness is. I'm wrong. Genuine humility begins with I just I refuse to think or act as if I'm more important. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but don't miss. Remember the talk in the goal? 
That is not the way it rolls with us. That is not what we do. Hey, Christian, Christ-following husbands, dads in the room, God has made you head of your home. I am not shrinking back from that at all. But that doesn't mean you exercise it the way you see the world exercise authority. It's not the way we do it. We do it as servants and slaves. That's the way we do it. And that means I'm the head. I'm not more important. What did Jesus do? Well, he had this attitude. He existed in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He came to the planet and said, he didn't say, I'll come to the planet as the big cheese. (laughs) He didn't regard it. He came to earth not as more important. Second, I refuse to think or act as if any form of service is beneath me. I'm not going to say, no, that's beneath me. I'm beyond that. I've done that. I used to do that. Too smart for that. I'll do it if somebody else does it with me. Where is everybody else that's supposed to be doing this service? I refuse to think or act as if any form of service is beneath me. What did Jesus say? Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. What's beneath the servant? Nothing. What did Jesus do? Found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Nothing was beneath him. Result? Pole position. Matters where you sit. Because it's a reflection how you serve. Whether you think stuff is worthy of who you are and your education and your place in life. I I am overwhelmingly blessed when I see very successful people in our community show up at church and go, but that's that's not how we function here. I take out trash here. I set up chairs here. I don't do that at work because that's not the way we roll, but I do that here. Third, when I'm genuinely humble, I refuse to think or act as if my personal rights must be honored. My personal rights. It's my right. My personal rights must be honored. No. I I repent of that thought, Lord. What did Jesus say? Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. (laughs) What right does the slave of all have? None. Matters where we sit, because where we sit determines is a reflection of how we live. Did we live as if we had rights and therefore... It's my right not to do that. It's not my right not to go there. It's my right not to have to participate. Or do I go, no, my rights are releasable. What Jesus do, he emptied himself, taking the form of bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. He laid it aside. 
Now that can seem, this might seem very vague, so let me just uh, tell you what my wife tells me about me. Doug, you are most ungodly when you drive. And I argue with her because she doesn't know how ungodly I'm in other ways. No, that's not. She, she'll genuinely tell me. And I think, come on, it's not that bad. I, I never give anybody the finger. I never blow my horn. I don't yell at people in a way that they can hear me. But she hears what comes out of my mouth when I drive. And it's made me think, where's that come from? Why am I so impatient when I drive? Why am I so frustrated with other people when I drive? And you know what I finally came to the conclusion? Because I am king of the road. <laughs> or, so I, or so I think and act. And that's not, uh, that's not pretty. That's ugly. And, and I, I can easily, dis, I can honestly easily dismiss it. But what I can't dismiss is what it has made me think about. Where's that come from? And coming from a heart that goes, how dare people slow me down? Or how dare people do silly things that make me sit at a stoplight longer than I should have to sit at a stoplight? Maybe I told you a couple of weeks ago, there was a, I was trying to get back to a meeting. I was here at Hartley and Old St. Augustine. We were taking a left, and there was a guy in front of me, well, two cars in front of me, who wasn't pulled up far enough, so the light didn't know he was there. And you need a yellow, I mean, a green arrow. And we went through three cycles. <laughs> I was, like, out of my mind upset. <laughs> Stinking car fire. Come on. How, how can you not know? Green? Oh, I didn't get to go. Oh, they're going again. We're still here. Oh, they're going again. We still haven't moved. What's going on? How can you not? And all this is coming out of me. Where's that come from? I've got my rights. And, and you yeah, know, that's just, that's just little small stuff. That's exactly what I say. That's it. And I excuse it. <laughs> doesn't change the reality. And it's been forcing me to go, where else does that show up? Where I think I'm king and therefore my rights. I'm not, but I think that. Because I'm not king of the road. Just another guy on the road. But sometimes the smallest things reveal the ugliest things about our hearts. I think this is why Jesus gets pole position and why we go, I just hope I get in. <laughs> hey, it's not, it's not how we act at stoplights that gets us into heaven. But it does determine where we sit. Ain't no rude people at the head table. <laughs> why? Because rude people think they're king, and kings think that they're more important, and kings think that there are things below them, and kings think that, what? <laughs> they have rights. 
and people shouldn't get in their way and people shouldn't slow them down. And let's just acknowledge, we tend to think we're king. We're Americans. And Jesus says, hey, in the goal. That's not how we do it. You're an American, but that's not how we roll as followers of Christ. Fourth, we talked about this. I have to just refuse to think or act as if recognition and applause are more important than obedience to the Father. It's often been said. We really know if we're a servant when we are treated like one. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> great to serve until we serve and then nobody recognizes it. We do good things and nobody says, way to go. We show up and nobody says, thank you. And people aren't noticing. Does that matter to you? Do you find yourself saying to your spouse, can you believe they didn't say thank you after what we did for him? You believe they didn't send a note? Can you believe? And you expect reaction. You expect recognition. Simply say, hmm, did it for the Lord. But Jesus say, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. No reward in heaven. You get to reward from the people that you do it for. It's just that simple. Did you hear that? We get our reward from the people we do it for, either from people or from the Lord. What did Jesus do? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many who would reject him and mock him and turn their back on, never say thank you. But for the obedience to the Father. So, here's the way it rolls with us. If you follow Jesus, you only get in because of what he did, not what you're going to do. But honor will be dispensed in heaven to his people. And it's going to be based on what you did as a follower of Jesus. To the degree that you repented, refused to think or act, I'm more important. Things are below me. <laughs> My rights are not releasable. People should notice. No, that's not the way we do it. <laughs> We're on level ground. Whatever needs to be done, I'm available. And my rights, they're expendable for the sake of the kingdom. And whether anybody says, it's not who I did it for. I did it for the Father. That's the way we roll. So Father, I pray that the old ways, 
the old patterns of thinking and action that we've come to excuse and live with. Pray that we would catch ourselves, repent of it, and live lives that are worthy of the calling we have in Christ Jesus, that we would increasingly reflect our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. If, if you go out to lunch today and someone serves you, recognize they weren't able to be here. Invite them to Thursday night. And if you're not here next week, uh, we'll see you Thursday night. God bless. Have a great Father's Day.